know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And D. Youngblood and J. Macron tap to help us navigate the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, I um, want to talk about um, the church and just remind you and encourage you to be burdened for the church. Mm. And and that's that's kind of where we, um, that's where we live and we hang out and talking about what's going on with the church. Uh, also, you're going to notice in today's programming um, that we are going to encourage you to mark um, false teachers, mark those among us who um, should be marked. Yeah, uh, there's just not a nice way to put it, and and I don't I don't even think that we should we should strive for a nice way to put it. Like, no, I think we should just say what the Word of God, what the says. Bible says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, the Apostle Paul when he talked about that. You know, it was straight from the spirit of God and you wrote it and it, hey, mark those. It's a That's it's right. a warning. It's a, you know, be aware uh, of these folks. And so I think that warning is clear and it should be just what it is. That's right. I, I think so often when we are hesitant to call out what is reprehensible in the church, to call out what is uh, an embarrassment for those of us who love Jesus, you know, we say, man, that that's not even close to being biblical. I think often there is a hesitation to call it out because we have been so um, cultured. Yeah. Right. Where we've been told what's nice and, and we, and this is, this is the problem by the way, with what began as political correctness, Mm. it really was just a muzzle for the church. It was just a way to say, here is what we will allow you to say. Mm. um, And, and polite conversation. And here's what you're not allowed to say. And I think for the biblical Christian, um, we never took our orders from what was culturally acceptable. Right. You know, and, and, and I think because largely, well, maybe not largely, the remnant has known that we don't take instruction from the enemies of God. Mm-hmm. Like the remnant knows that mm-hmm. we are well aware of that, but the church's desire to be culturally relevant and this being normalized as sort of the mark of a successful church um, you know, church growth strategies. We kind of alluded to this before. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things caused us to suspend our knowledge of the word of God and to suspend the conviction that the knowledge of the word of God brings. Yeah. Like we were encouraged to pretend like there are just certain things we have to do in order to be a successful church among those things um, being look, look away from sin mm. and only do the things that are popular, only do the things that are, um, you know, proven, <laughs> proven ministry, proven to move us forward, right? right. Like what are the things, what, what do people want? And I remember many years ago looking into this and I don't have it in front of me. I should have looked it up for the, uh, for this program today, but I didn't. But I remember uh, looking at some of the, uh, some of the, the criteria for uh, church growth strategies mm. and the, the so-called research that was done 
when trying to determine what people wanted. And there were things like people didn't want to have crosses in the church. Like they didn't want uh, pulpits, like they didn't want those bit, you know, and Mm -hmm. and they didn't really want to be reminded that they were actually in a church. So they want more of like an auditorium feel. Um, They don't want to be bored to death. So they don't really want you to fumble with the Bible. Like they want everything fast moving. Everything's got to be. And so, I mean, basically it's, it's a performance, right? It's an orchestration. It is, it is, it is how do we, streamline mm-hmm. the meeting of the believers and make it something that you can just drive through, get what you feel you need. Be not what you actually need. Be entertained. You know, be entertained. Be entertained. Yes. Not, not feel like, you know, maybe the conviction and the weight of, weight of sin, you know, yes, those type that's things. right. But the, the services had to be a little lighter. You that's exactly, that's it. And oh, I'm glad you brought that one up because that was another thing. Um, uh, attendees. Mm-hmm. Now, now listen, when we talk about what the church is or to say it better and more accurately, who the church is, right. we are talking about the called out ones. Right? right. So, but in the church growth strategies, it was church attendees. Mm. Okay. So church attendees don't want to be bogged down with, um, or by sermons that deal with sin that address the fact that you are the object of God's wrath, mm. which to me is like the thing you need to know. Need to know like so that, you can repent. Is, my goodness. Like, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And I use this illustration when um, I think I was talking to the youth when we were in Paris, Tennessee. And can you imagine a doctor who runs tests and determine based on those tests that the patient has cancer Mm. and just, you know, wanting to have a successful practice. Right. But the success is determined by how many people like him or Mm. her. Right. Will not diagnose that the patient has cancer will Mm. not say that because that's bad news. Mm. That's bad news. And we really don't want to know the bad news. Right. We just want good news. We want to feel good when we leave church. And so there are so many people who have fleeced the people of God. Right. um, And and they have they have made a living off of sick people who don't know they're sick. And, you know, that's that's a great example, because what ends up happening is you have so many folks dying that you look back on that doctor and you're like, that's, that's not right. That's the exactly wrong way. Right. That didn't work. And what, that's what happened with the like seeker sensitive, oh my you know, movement. they had to come back and say, Oh no, we were wrong about this, man. We, and it really messed things up. Like it really has set the church on a course that has to be corrected now, or it's trying to be corrected, you know, but those things still linger within a lot of of the churches. And so, you know, just like that doctor, at some point, he's going to be, no one's going to go to him. I mean, exactly. You know, exactly. All you need to do is have a train of deaths. Right. That's all you need. And, and, and this is sad because we are talking about eternity. Like mm. when, when we talk about people who don't get um, the proper diagnosis, like, like, why, why are you facing destruction? (laughs) Like, I mean, this is, this is huge, right? We're talking about the souls of men. And so what we are looking at now is, and even today, it may not be as explosive as it once was the church growth strategies. Now it's a little bit kind of covert because people started catching on to some of the buzzwords and those who were really desperate for like eternity with God, (laughs) those people started to reject it and saying, this is cotton candy. Like you, Mm. you are inviting people to come and receive cotton candy as if that's going to sustain their soul. And it's Mm. not. And so now there's kind of been like you, you kind of tweak that down a little bit. You don't want it to be overtly church growth 
ish, but it still is. Mm. Right. And so now what we do is we just say, you know, um, you, you come in and, and we will give you uh, hard messages to a certain extent. The hard messages being this is why you're not blessed. <laughs> oh, that was a hard message, Pastor. Mm. That was a that was a hard message, right? Because you're not willing to hunker down. You're not willing. To, no. How about you are the enemy of God? And until your sin is atoned for, until you receive mm-hmm. the atonement, the sacrifice that was already made for you by the Lord Jesus Christ, then the wrath of God remains on you. You are a dead man walking. How mm-hmm. about that? How about that as a that now it's hard to go to Cracker Barrel after that. Right. <laughs> right. So. So why am I why am I saying all of this? Because I was I was looking at a story. And um, and thinking about like, how do we um, how do we how do we solve a problem like Andy Stanley? How do, how do we solve a problem like Andy Stanley? Mark right. Those. You mark those people. Listen, I am so tired of people's favorites. I, I, I really am. I am uh, so frustrated with people's favorites because it 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 um, incapacitates People who should be very discerning, they say, well, this person has a legacy and this person has a name and this person has a church, the size and all of this. So this person must be trustworthy. Mm. Now, I am all about I am all about us uh, weighing and and being um, accurate when Mm. we speak. So we don't want to just jump to conclusions. I'm all about that. But I think when people consistently say, hey, here's where I am. What else do you need? Right. Right, So so Andy Stanley's North Point Church and all of the churches that fall under his umbrella, these churches are so-called LGBTQ plus and whatever that means, that that means all of the confusion, all of the things, all of the confusion under the one umbrella. Those churches are affirming that sin. They are affirming that sin, as you often say, well, the great with a high hand, yeah. like with without the fear of, you know, someone's going to to correct us or somebody's going to rebuke us. There's not the question of whether or not we're going to have a a hemorrhage of people leaving the church because they want truth. No, because now largely the people have been conditioned to not want truth. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, my, my thing is this. We've got to be burdened for the Lord's church. And it really needs to be the burden that we see in Scripture. And and I cannot think about um, the type of burden that we ought to feel for the Lord's church without thinking about what the Apostle Paul wrote in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11, because I think this is something that often gets overlooked. So and just to give you a little bit of background and we're look we're going to look at it. Right. Because if you say, man, we should be burdened. We should we should be concerned about the state of the Lord's church and what's happening in this country. We are not okay, Mm. family. We are not okay. And what is largely um, accepted that masquerades as the Lord's church has got to be roundly rejected. And it's got to be rejected as vociferously as it's been forced upon us. Yeah. Now, you you know, we've we've been forced to to celebrate and to and to um to be welcoming and and to not appear to be you know self-righteous don't don't be self-righteous you guys are so like you know and so we've been told this so loudly and we've been told this so publicly that we have now internalized that right and so mm. we have we have taken that on as the lord's bride 
right? These, these attempts to malign and to stain the Lord's bride. We have taken those things on. These are false accusations because historically what the church has done is the church has been distinct because of proclaiming truth. And so people didn't like that. Right. And so they said, you guys are so narrow minded and you're so hateful and you're so, and it's like, no, we're telling you the truth, but, but here's over time, over time, what we believed is that the church was meant to be loved and celebrated in the world that is Mm. hostile to God. How in the world? How? Like how sway? Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, that's the question. How did we ever think that we were supposed to be celebrated by people who do not like God? You have to get they have away no from the fear word. of God in their eyes. You have to get away from the word of God to even uh, entertain that notion because when you, what you see in scripture yes. is quite the opposite. And it, and it talks about how this will be your plight. Yeah, you will not be loved by the world and you will yes. not, like it won't happen. If you're going to live godly as a Christian, you will suffer persecution. So that's right. it has to be just a, a, a moving away from the word of God and it being taught in, in total in truth. Yes. And that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen. So, so to your point, well, great, this is an excellent point, right? Because what we thought were consistent sermons or consistent messages coming from God's word, Mm -hmm. what we thought it was, it actually wasn't. These were just, um, these were like pep rallies. Yeah. These were motivational speeches, right? which by the way, are quite different from being taught the sincere truth of God's word. It's not the same thing, Mm. right? Like I, I when look, when I gather with believers, when I am sitting and I am listening to the word taught, I expect, I, I want to be convicted. Mm -hmm. I want to be challenged. I want to be transformed. I know who I am. Mm. So when I'm, when I'm listening to God's word, be taught, I'm not expecting that I'm sitting there going, "Mm, got it. Yep. Mm hmm. Yep. Next. Mm hmm. Next point. No. When I'm when I'm listening, because I know me, I'm 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 going, Lord, search me by your word. Yes. Lord God, let your word convict my heart. Like I'm I'm looking to draw out. OK. Oh, what adjustments. Oh, my goodness. It hurts. But it's good. Thank you, Lord, that it hurts. Yes. Right. Thank you, Lord, that we're not in a place where we feel like we've arrived, that Amen. we don't need to we don't need to examine ourselves anymore. The Apostle Paul demonstrated his love for the church in second Corinthians chapter 11 and he compares himself, you know, the Corinthians had a problem, right? They were like Apollos, Paul, mm-hmm. Cephas, right? They, they had a problem with those who were just really good speakers. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just, you know, and so they wanted to be associated with those people. This is who we follow, you know, and some of them, we don't follow any of those. We're just of Christ. Right. right? And so the Corinthians had a big problem. Well, here you go. In Paul's second letter, he's addressing these, quote unquote, super apostles who've come to the church masquerading as ones who have been sent. But Paul, the apostle Paul said they were not sent. They came of their own doing. Mm. He, on the other hand, was sent by Christ. All right. We'll pick up here on the other side of the break. Aaron, the Addison's, please stay close. Eight to ten ounces it weighs, two thousand gallons a day, carrying life fluid around an array of blood vessels, arteries, capillaries, and veins. Blood in, blood out when it bangs, but not a gang. The blood coordinator divided by four chambers. Your brain is steady, regulating what your heart rate is. Ah, it gives life when it expands and it repeats. Our creator gave it rhythm and we're dancing to his beat. When you stand it, when you're sleeping, it pumps instinctively. The biological motor running the machinery, carrying nutrients. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on America. American Family Radio, we appreciate you uh, listening today, encouraging you um, to be burdened for the church, to care about the Lord's bride. And I, I know that um, seems like an automatic, but I, 
I just am not convinced that we care as much as we should about the state of the church. The, mm. I, I think that there are, <clears throat> pardon me, I think that there are things that we care far more about and and they're not eternal. Yeah. They're not eternal, but um, the souls of men, uh, the condition of the church yeah. and, and how the church is being deceived in so many different ways. And, you know, those who maybe in some ways are self-deceived, maybe they think that they are members of the church and they're not. Mm. And, and I think the only way that a person can examine himself is that he knows what to hold himself up against. Yeah. Like, you know, you say, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Well, you got to know what the faith is. Right. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's not, this is not a, we are not a social club. Right. The, the church is not a social club. It's not something that you do to kill time on Sunday morning mm. until the game in the afternoon mm. or until supper. Until that, this is you. You have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. That you have accepted His sacrifice, His sufficient sacrifice. This so this now seals you. The Holy Spirit of God indwells you, marking you. Now this is the guarantee that when the Lord comes again, that you that you are His. Yeah. You 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 will be caught up to meet the Lord. Amen. You are His. This is not, and I, and for some reason, we have we have gotten away from this. So so anyway, I'm going to look at uh, what's going on with Andy Stanley's church most recently. His uh, one of his satellite campuses, but then a larger problem, Andy Stanley himself. Okay, like you you know, yeah. <laughs> we've we've covered different stories here and there, but we just kind of stopped short of saying, okay, um, we are marking him. Mm-hmm. We did a whole program where we talked about marking people, right? Like these people who are consistently deceiving the church consistently they are a problem and we have to mark them the bible tells us to mark them yeah so so andy stanley um i'm i'm marking him i'm saying hey be warned be be warned like there's okay so so the apostle paul right he cared so much for the church Mm -hmm. and this was known in his living this was known in his his sacrifice, his his giving of himself, the things that he suffered. He was invited to come and suffer, come and see the things that you must suffer for my namesake. And mm-hmm. so the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, he's talking about the super apostles, right? These 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 those who had masqueraded as angels of light. They were like Satan. Okay. Mm-hmm. They had come in. Yeah. And they had sent themselves. And the Apostle Paul is identifying them and calling them out. And one of the things that is interesting in Second Corinthians chapter 11 is that the Apostle Paul is going through and talking about how, man, they commend themselves to you. They brag about themselves. This bragging is not good. But in order for me to get your attention, I'm going to have to boast a little bit. I'm going to have to talk about who sent me. I don't I don't want to do this. <laughs> right, it's like right. you need you leave me no choice. I'm out of my mind to do this is what the Apostle Paul is basically saying. Yeah. But but the passion and the love that he has for the bride and for the body of Christ is so humbling to read. Like mm. you just, man, <laughs> it's so humbling to read, to know of a human who loves God's people that much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in the beginning in, in chapter 11, I'm going to start at verse, uh, verse one and go to verse three. He says, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, <laughs> but indeed you are bearing with me for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy for I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Mm. So this is the bride that the apostle Paul yes. is talking about. Yes. When we talk about the church, we are talking about the Lord's bride. Yes. My goodness, like if there if I feel like David, is there not a cause? Right. Is there not a reason like if there's something that we're going to care about, shouldn't it be the Lord's bride? Shouldn't we care about the Lord's bride in verse 3? But I'm afraid 
that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Mm. So then Paul goes on. And I'm going to skip down here because I also want to get to the current event that that this scripture that leads me or reminds me of the scripture as I'm looking at it. By the way, when we read news headlines, we should be prayerfully asking the Lord to help us discern what's happening. That's right. And help us to discern how we should respond to what is happening. So the Apostle Paul goes through. And he's talking about these, quote unquote, these so-called super apostles. You know, he's like, you, you bear with their abuse. He, and he says, but we were far too nice. We didn't abuse you the way they did. <laughs> it's, like, man, it's dripping with sarcasm, but it's sufficient. It really does make the point. And so the apostle Paul goes through and he's talking about basically his, his credentials. So you want to compare me to these apostles who have come in their own name? They have sent themselves, but I have been sent to you, is what the apostle Paul is saying. I want you to think about our current, like, you know, charlatans. Man, think about those who stand up before the Lord's church every weekend and think about what is being taught. Think about how they willfully overlook sin. Think about how they don't care. They don't they don't care about the blood of people who are in their congregations. They don't care. They don't care if people know the truth, even if that truth offends them. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they want worldly success because they want a big church because they want a big name. Because they want to be accepted by men. So here is the Apostle Paul. And this will forever grab me. I cannot <laughs> unknow this, right? As the Apostle Paul is listing his credentials and, and, and by comparison, comparison uh, himself against these so-called super apostles, right? He talks about all the things that he has suffered. And I want you to listen to this. I'm going to start. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to start verse 20. He says, for you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that I have been weak by comparison. <laughs> I'm not like these super apostles who abuse you. No, I haven't done that. So by comparison, I've been weak. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness, he breaks in and says, but he says, I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. He breaks in again. He breaks in on himself. It's like, yeah. ah. I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Mm. And verse 28. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Mm. It is not consistent with a robust or legitimate knowledge of scripture. It's not consistent with all that we know to be true 
about how we should esteem the Lord's bride, how we see the church, how we recognize the value of what we all represent, right? Like we, we are the redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We can't say that we know that and ignore the abuse of God's people and say, well, guess people will know. No, no, we have to say, we have to say. So, so here is the story. And, and then I want to tie this into another um, article that I have here in front of me. So this story actually comes from the uh, website Protestia and um, you can go to their website and read all kinds of articles from them. They are modern day watchmen of the Lord's church and they call out foolishness. So you can go to protestia.com and read their articles. They have references for everything that they write about um, often videos and hyperlinks in there. And they are not just accusing without evidence. So that's protestia.com. Go check that out. So in this particular article, they post a video of uh, a North Point church leader. So there are satellite churches under North Point's umbrella. And there is a leader in this church. And I, let me just give a disclaimer. If you've got little kids listening, <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe to you what, what has happened, but it's not suitable for young listeners, right. which is tragic, right? Because I'm talking about the church. Okay. And a church leader. <laughs> and a church leader. And has been a church leader for two decades, yeah, 20, 20 years. years. That's right. So this is not like just hired her yesterday and all of a sudden <laughs> she's going to a drag show and publicly receiving a lap dance from a man masquerading as a caricature of a woman. Mm-hmm. That's what this article is. So here is how Protestia's writers um, inform us of this. Andy Stanley's North Point Community Church has a problem. Besides Stanley's frequently strange sermons that see him offering new and novel interpretations of the scriptures designed to minimize the Old Testament and the authority of the text and the revelation that he does not hold to a biblical sexual ethic, but instead is privately gay affirming. His problem is now that um, how many of his staffers and ministry leaders at his church are also pro LGBTQ. Um, and then I want to, I'm going to, I want to bring in another article here because I, I, I think that there is enough evidence. And if Dr. Michael Brown's account of having confronted Andy Stanley and he, he refuses to give a straight answer uh, one way or the other on, does he hold to biblical conviction on sexual deviance like does he does he hold to biblical conviction and him refusing to answer i think that's enough evidence to say okay that's an answer i think i think you at some point you've got to say wait a minute if 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 i'm because this is accountability right so if between pastors if between leaders in the lord's church there is an ongoing conversation according to dr brown for years they've been so so where do you stand on this issue and he won't give dr brown a direct and and sufficient answer he's ignoring this this pressing then i think that's an answer and i think when you couple what's coming out of his church with that lack of an answer that is an answer right okay so back to the article there are gay affirming pastors running pro gay ministries uh conferences where all the speakers are gay affirming pastors and leaders sitting as board members of pro lgbtq advocacy groups 
pastors and leaders speaking at pro-LGBTQ conferences and ministry leaders recommending that children struggling with their so-called gay identities attend counseling at a place where 100% of the psychologists and therapists are LGBTQ. There are even ministry leaders praising the transition, so-called transition, of a congregant from a man to a quote-unquote woman is impossible. (laughs) Didn't happen. Right. Didn't happen. But you've got people who are deceived. And all of this under the leadership of Andy Stanley. Like all of all of this is going on. And by the way, Protestia, wonderful site. They've got all the receipts. You you can spend hours just clicking on the hyperlinks and reading the articles, just reading and looking at the evidence for everything that is written here. So what happened recently? A couple months ago, one of North Point's uh, community church ministers or leaders, a woman by the name of Leanne Leggins, I think is how you'd say the name, Leanne Leggins, Um, According to her LinkedIn profile, she lists her pronouns. That's another dead giveaway. (laughs) I'm calling out all Christians who are listing pronouns. Why are you you doing that? That's foolishness. There's no need to do that. Anyway, she lists her pronouns as she and her. She's been involved with North Point Community Church as a ministry leader in some capacity for nearly 20 years. Now, I'm going to skip down here because it goes through kind of like what she does. To me, it seems like she's a party planner. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can I mean I can read to you what she does, <laughs> yeah. but it seems to me like she is a party planner. Here here this is what she does. So operating out of Buckhead Church, one of North Point's satellite locations, she's been the singles gathering leader since 2006 and the group link assimilator and connector for North Point Ministry since 2007. The church also employs her as the director of operations for Canopy, a singles ministry where unmarried (laughs) adults mingle while volunteering with the city and local nonprofits. She has also worked extensively in the church's guest services. She's a party planner. She's a party planner. And she has access to like singles and and putting like. (laughs) Yes. You know, I, I mean, yeah. And she boasts of being a close friend to Andy Stanley. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because Andy Stanley is not unaware of this woman. Okay? Like, he doesn't not know. All right? He knows who she is, what she does. Like, and all of the receipts are in this article. You're going to have to go check it out so that you can um, have it all confirmed for you. Right. But here's what she did. Uh, Recently, she attended a uh, drag show. Um, of one of her dear friends, one of her dear friends, a uh, person by the name of uh, Cody. What is his name? His name is Cody Bradley, but he goes under the drag name of Alabama TP, Alabama TP. So this woman, again, ministry leader under Andy Stanley, attends a drag show where there were hours of drag presentations where there were F-bombs and things that you cannot even speak of that, that happened at this event. <sighs> and when this particular person who is identified as Leggins' kind of like best friend takes to the platform or the stage or the center, whatever, it's a floor, there's no raised <laughs> stage. Right. We, we elected, by the way, people, we love you. We elected not to show you the video. There's yeah, a video. foolishness. I, I'm, I'm so grateful for Will the Great because I'm I'm like, oh, do people need to see this? It's like, nah, nah, they can just take our word for it. Or, or you can go, to you can go and, and find it yeah. yourself, but we're not going to show it for you here.
But this man, dressed up as a caricature of, of a woman, calls this minister to, to be seated in a chair where he proceeds to dance and gyrate on her and she is cheering him on. She is living her best life. This is appalling, except that for Andy Stanley and them, as we say in New Orleans, it's not. <laughs> this woman has been sharing all kinds of stuff about her loyalties. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Back to Aaron the Addisons. This is American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. We'll open the phone lines in just a few minutes here. I just want to get a, a little more content in, and then um, you're free to respond. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's E6, Evie McKinney. Uh, Protestia.com also um, uh, has an article looking, this is two months ago, where Dr. Michael Brown, um, on his In the Line of Fire, the Line of Fire broadcast, covered whether or not um, Andy Stanley is LGBTQ plus whatever um, <laughs> affirming. Right. Okay. Like has he drifted on this issue and they have a quote here, which I, I was happy to read um, because just, you know, often what happens is when you talk about this publicly, well, maybe not often, but what used to happen, um, people would say, well, have you gone to that person? Have you gone directly to that person? My thing is this, they're a public figure. They are mm-hmm. they are they are they are doing public damage, right. right? And so publicly we must respond and say this is sin. This yes. is wickedness, right? Okay. So, but in this particular case, uh Dr. Brown said this uh and I'm going to just read a quote here. Uh quote, so first Andy Stanley, we have interacted very uh extensively on this. I've gone back and forth with him with endless texts and emails. This is Dr. Brown. All right. Quote, he made himself fully accessible to me eight years ago when I wrote an article with some open questions for him. And he jokingly said, quote, why didn't you send it to me first? End quote. Like, oh, I didn't know you were that accessible. He gave me his number and email. So we've been in regular contact, Dr. Brown says. But for eight years, literally since 2015, he has not been willing to give me a simple answer on, quote, would you agree that according to the Bible, homosexual practice is always sinful and no matter how loving same sex relationships are, they are not blessed in his sight, end quote. That's the question. For eight years, including me pressing him every way I knew how to press him, he has refused to answer that question. That's what Dr. Brown says. Now, I want to back up here. I I have a tremendous amount of respect for Dr. Brown, um, but I I have a problem with that question that he used to 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 press Mm. um, Andy Stanley. I have a problem with that. And 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 that doesn't mean that I have a problem with Dr. Brown. It means (laughs) I have a problem with the question. Hear what I'm saying. okay? and this is this is what you expect me to do to slice right down the middle. The problem I have with this question is I think that in the wording, it allows for people to get around the real issues that we are dealing with. We are dealing with identities, quote unquote, if you will, in our culture. We are dealing with identities. Yes, those identities include upfront and public practices, but largely we are dealing with identities. So I don't like the question, according to the Bible, that homos- do you agree that homosexual practice is? 
is always sinful. Why? Because it ignores the identity that is inherent to this behavior. That people believe that this is who they are. This is how we have the rise of gay Christianity, that I am a homosexual, but I am also a Christian. I will not act on that, but this is my identity. And so I think whenever that question is raised, whenever that question is asked, we need to take it as a total person. Right. Like you, you, there's no room for a person to identify as. And then you say, well, but Miki, if a person does not act on those urges, that person is still free to be who. No, no. Actually, the Bible does not allow space for that. First mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter six. You know it very well, but read it twice and slow. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous, this is the person, the person, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor effeminate. So this is even in your presentation. This is in the way you carry yourself. This is how you quote unquote present yourself nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, such were some of you. Mm. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So there is no space for people to be gay identifying or homosexual identifying or trans identifying and for that in some way to be seen as separate from some type of external practice that would indicate that you're the object of God's wrath. It's like we had a, we had a conversation with pastor dames. Um, and I think we had this, uh, the disciple life conference last summer where he was talking about, um, love the, love the sinner, but hate the sin. So like, so like, but is the sinner doing the sin? (laughs) <laughs> like, it, but what, what, like, what, 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 how do we, how do we separate those things out? Right. Like, how do we, how do we identify? So we say, yes, you are, you are doing these things. You are the object of God's wrath. This is who you are. You must repent of those things. So you repent of the identities. You repent of the behavior. I'm going to open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Be burdened for the Lord's church. That's what we're talking about today. Be burdened for the Lord's church. So you've got Andy Stanley who refuses to give a straight answer, even when given a soft question, love for Dr. Brown, but a soft question about whether or not homosexual practice is always sinful. We are in a time, culturally speaking, where we are dealing in terms of identity. We are dealing in terms of what people think they are. Or who people think they are. And those things are not always connected to what they do. So we've got to address those things straight on. There's no room for a person to say, well, I'm not acting on this, but I identify as this. I want, I think about this. This is what, this is what we're dealing with. A person says, well, I've not acted on my urges to be sexually intimate with children, but I do identify as a minor attracted person. I'm sorry. Wait, what? I'm, I, wait, uh, help me. So this, this is where we are. And this is what is happening in Andy, under Andy Stanley's leadership. Under Andy Stanley's leadership. And the receipts are many, by the way. If you go to protestia.com, there are all kinds of links and all kinds of articles that you can read 
where Andy Stanley has deviated from the truth. He has gone away from the truth. So we have to mark him. We have to say, okay, um, that's a problem. We've got somebody in our chat right now. Will the great was telling me during the break who said, yeah, I attended this church until I got saved. Buckhead church specifically. Listen, listen, the Bible is clear that people who sit under false teaching, they have heaped up for themselves what their itching ears want to hear. But can I tell you, it is also true that for those of us who have the truth, we must be compelled to preach truth to those, even those who believe that what they're getting is good. Like, can we, can we still tell them, Hey, no, actually that's, that's not true. That's false teaching. If after those warnings, if after many warnings, they decide I still want to sit up, then okay. Okay. We've done all that we can do. But if we ignore it, if we just pretend like it's, it's not happening, that it's still a sound biblical church. And someone said, um, who, what's the guy's uh, name? Um, Merle said, did you guys see Mike, Mike Todd's uh, resurrection service? <laughs> I saw clips of what I could stand to see. I saw clips of what I could stand to see. Yeah. But I mean, from Mike Todd spitting in his hand and, and why, and, uh, and yeah, look guys, let me just tell you, American culture is saturated and I, American culture is saturated with false churches. It's saturated. I, I, I have not studied this to measure it. This is based on anecdotal evidence. Just, just my, just Miki's observation. Okay. People, this is just my observation. As I look around this country, as I look at what is made available to people in mass, like what people are consuming in mass what's popular among people who people's favorite preachers are. I feel like the false churches outnumber the remnant churches. I feel like there are way more of them than the pure churches, the genuine churches, those who have not departed from truth. And we have enough scriptural evidence to tell us that in the last days, this would be true. Mm. This would be true. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to RJ. Hi, RJ. Hello, Miki and Will the Great. How are you guys? I got a strong quote about Jesus, as it won't take very long, people. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't stop him. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't contain him. He is risen. He's alive. He And he's coming back again as King Jesus. Amen. I got that quote from Facebook. Amen. <laughs> well, amen. I couldn't hear anything in that that I disagree with. I right. will say that as I'm as I'm reminded of the truth that you just communicated, um, I would say that Jesus is worthy. Amen. Jesus is worthy that we tell the truth about who he is and what he did to redeem us. And listen, you know, when we talk about the Lord's bride, we talk about the church and, and, and I, I, I really feel like it's connected to the way we stand up and defend and fight for the proper definition of marriage, the biblical definition. In fact, the only definition that is marriage, that is a picture of Christ in the church. I really believe there's a direct connection to how offended we are by what is presented as marriage. And it's not, I feel like there's a direct connection to how offended we are 
by what masquerades as marriage and how much we care about the Lord's church. Mm. I think the apathy on the front of caring about the Lord's church is, is reflected in the apathy and how marriage, like what, cause we don't understand. <laughs> we don't understand this picture. This is a strong bond. When we, we talk about the Lord Jesus giving himself for us. Yeah. So that we who without hope in this world could now have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We who were away could now be brought near. This, this is what we have. This is what has been afforded for us through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, I, you know, unfortunately, I think, I think not enough people care about this. Not enough people see this as something worth going on and on and on about. There are mm. so many other things. Guys, and I, look, look, we are varied people. What I, what I mean by that is that we have different interests and we have things that we look at, things that we kind of specialize in, if you will. And, and so those are the things that grab our focus. But man, if, if, if there's anything that's worth spending consistent time on, it's, yes. it's got to be the Lord's bride. Amen. It's got to be those who are deceived. Look, listen to, or just remember, I'm not going to read it again, but just remember the anguish of the Apostle Paul. He counted that among his suffering. Yeah. Like he's going through, I, I've been without food. I've been cold. I've been stranded. I've been under attack by this one, under attack by that one. It's like... You know, it, it, I get the picture of Rapunzel when they're running, you know, with the, with the horses and everything. And it's like, who are those people? They don't like me. Who are those people? They don't like me. Everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he was able to find enemies or enemies were able to find him, maybe to say it, you know, more accurately. But in all of the suffering and all of the things that he suffered, he includes his care for the Lord's church. That people are made to stumble, that those for whom Christ died are made to stumble. And the Apostle Paul said, that's a, that, that grieves me. That's a burden that I carry. Yeah. I, I, I think we are in good company to share that burden. We're in good company to see that as a suffering. Like, I, I, wanna, I don't, I don't want to ignore that. I want to feel that. I want to care about the Lord's bride. All right, we'll go back to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great. All right, Kayla in Ohio. Hi, Kayla. Hi. Hello. Go ahead. Um, my question was like, so basically, I have a friend who who is gay, and I was like, telling you guys a conversation. I was like, well, how do I tell them and teach them without offending them or hurting their feelings? And I feel like I thought we were all supposed to just love God's people. You know what I mean? Like, how do you? I hear your heart. Kayla, let me just jump in. Let me mm-hmm. let me jump in and say something. First of all, thank you so much for calling. Yeah. And thank you for trusting us with this question that you're that you're asking. This is a very serious question. I don't take it lightly at all. I want to tell you something that to tell the truth to someone is not to suspend love for that person. I want you to keep in mind that we tell people the truth because we love them. We're not choosing either or saying, well, either I love them or I tell them the truth. No, we're saying I tell them the truth because I love them. The question that we all have to wrestle with, the question that we have to answer sincerely is do we believe the word of God is true? Do we believe that on account of our sin that we are separated from God, 
that God has already judged it. And what awaits those who remain under his wrath is eternal separation from him. Do we believe that God has already enumerated for us in the scriptures the types of things that we do and the ways that we are that have separated us from him? If we believe that's true and we hold that back from people, it means we don't love them. I don't want people to be comfortable with me in this life, but to spend eternity in destruction because I cared about me more than I cared about them. It is not easy to do, Kayla. It is not easy to do. It makes us very uncomfortable. But here's the thing. There is no guarantee that ever telling someone the truth is not going to offend them. But if you offend someone to eternal life, so be it. Because on the other side of that is eternal life. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.